Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Anyone else getting like March 2020 vibes right now? Heavy. Like, not actually, it's different, but just the whole, hey, this uh, this thing's looking kind of real to, hmm, 85 players are out sick right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm extremely tired and I have no energy to consider this or really move through the rest of this season without hockey, so... What value is there in what I just said? Almost none, but just the prospect of, you know, games being postponed, whatever it is. The NHL has so much to to figure out right now, and it's hysterical that a few episodes ago we were considering, oh, maybe the Olympics won't happen. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, maybe they won't happen. Yeah, no, 50-50 for sure. Connor McDavid talked about having a heated driveway and how – uh, the Olympics are a little bit scary, and only one of those statements was apparently controversial on Twitter. <laughs> Which that was a take. Like Twitter was being pretty high and mighty. They're like making fun of Connor McDavid for having a heated driveway. Those are fairly common. Yeah, buddy. The moment I have a modicum of wealth, yeah, I'm heating my driveway. Yeah, he's got twelve and a half million dollars. Why is anybody surprised about this? I would call him stupid for shoveling his driveway. It's Edmonton. If there's one thing you should have and you should take advantage of, it's a heated driveway. 100%. I'm sure they're like not terribly, like terribly, terribly expensive. And I'm sure they're not cheap. But I I just have to imagine if you're in Edmonton, Alberta, you should have one. Let the poor guy have his heated driveway. He got drafted by Edmonton. (laughs) We all saw his face that day. That was part of the, the ELC was getting that installed. That's actually... Anyone drafted by Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, that kind of thing, they have to have the heated driveway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless it's Lou. The best he can do is heated washroom floors. You get the heated heated driveway after your second contract. That's not bad. That's pretty bad. I don't know if I could ever... I don't know if I could ever play in the uh, play for Lou in the NHL. I would do anything to be in the NHL, obviously. it's every Most people listening to this podcast dream... But having to shave your beard to play for Lou Lamorello, to me, just it doesn't sit right, man. That's, yeah, that's so old school. Am I biased because I look like a child without my beard? Yeah, absolutely. But, well, anyways, how are you guys doing? Don't uh, say the T word. Be creative. I'm barely conscious. Is that is that better? <laughs> like Evan said, he's going to be this weekend. <laughs> yes. Saturday I have... The Christmas party with like my friends that I've known since kindergarten. So it's either going to be very tame or it's going to be an absolute gong show. And I think it's leaning towards the the gong show. He makes up all of his friends, right? Like we both agree on that. Like none of these people this are is, real. It's definitely him drinking alone in his hot tub. One thousand percent. Evan <laughs> just wants some peace and quiet and makes plans with his his old friends are in town from Jackson's Hole. <laughs> Wyoming. Well, they're not. It's not at my house. The party is not at my house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure thing. Yeah. That's exactly what he said to make sure nobody shows up to his house. He's smart. He's very, very clever. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, here to talk about Red Wings hockey, the world of hockey, and the general dispositions of Evan. I'm Ryan Hanna. Unfortunately, we got to talk about the pandemic again, and I'm, I would rather do anything else. So I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, some news in the world of the Iser plan. Robbie Fabry was extended, so we're going to talk about that contract and what that means for him and the Red Wings moving forward, uh, how Steve Eisenman did, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There was a hockey game that the Red Wings played and won, which is a notable thing. Uh, there are a couple roster moves related to the COVID-19 list uh, on the Red Wings and about a thousand more across the NHL today. And then depending on if we have time, we'll talk about Rutherford over in Vancouver, um, the Olympics, Read that probably not going to happen for NHLers. Uh, just an hour before we started recording, Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks came to a settlement, um, and then we'll get into overtime. Uh, but first, 
want to remind everyone of the Jamie Daniels Foundation. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels uh, and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. All right, Robbie Fabry. We've talked about him a little bit. How is he going to factor into the trade deadline? How is he going to factor into the future of the Red Wings? Brad, I think this was good timing because you actually brought up, I think, almost this exact contract not too long ago, like this kind of deal. Uh, so he has been signed by the Detroit Red Wings, uh, an extension beyond this year, a three-year deal valued at $4 million per year AAV. Um, and that cap hit comes with no exceptions or anything like that there's no no move clause no no trade clause nothing like that so it's straight three years four million for robbie fabry initial thoughts it's fine tm (laughs) yeah we got to get you a shirt huh yeah it's fine tm um average the aav eh, probably on the high side not anything unreasonable not an egregious overpay but on the higher side but it's only three years, takes him through the rest of his prime. He'll be 29, I think, when this expires, and there's no trade clauses. So you can definitely soak in higher AAV when you've got no trade protection and it's short-term through the rest of your quote-unquote best years. I think it's fine as well. TM. (laughs) It's not too long. It's not too much money. I like Robbie Fabry. It's still very tradable. Yeah, that last point is really what not what sold me. I think I was fine with it from the start, but it's very apparent. Yeah, Robbie Fabry's asked to play on the first and second line. He probably rates as a more of a middle sixer for this team and on a really good team, probably a third, maybe sometimes second liner. Uh, he's been productive for the Red Wings from the get go. Um, you know, hasn't turned into a point per game player, but I don't think anyone was really expecting that from him, obviously. Uh, he's been pretty consistent. And so, Eisman pays a small premium. I don't think we're talking about an overpay of like a million plus here. Not at all. I think it's like within a margin of error. So Eisman probably paid a small premium to say, hey, you're being asked to do a lot more for these Red Wings than you would on, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Carolina Hurricanes or anything like that. Uh, and we'll recognize that. And also we want the flexibility with the contract. Um, Eisman has stuck to his guns on three-year contracts. <laughs> He's... I, it's funny because that's this is how you do this is how you build the teams that Eisman builds. But the fact that it's yet another three year contract is hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy to pay a premium on a team with a world of cap space uh, when the cap is going up a million next year, and then in a few years. Well, I mean, it's when Fabry's contract ends. Really, is probably when it's going to rise dramatically. Um, it's a good deal. I think really, I, I don't think people are going to be that upset about it. I think the real question now is what does this mean for his future on the Red Wings? Because we've seen before signing a nice contract like this, nice and clean, three or four years, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to stay a Red Wing. It was like four minutes after Mantha signed his. He was, it was like months, but still. Mantha signed his four-year deal and he got dealt. So what does this mean for Fabry moving forward? It means he's probably going to be a Red Wing for another three and a half years. You think so? It's a boring answer, but yeah. I think we can all agree that by the third year of this contract, Robbie Fabry should hopefully be playing in a couple playoff rounds with the Red Wings. You don't trade guys like Robbie Fabry when you're making the playoffs. He's a guy you keep for depth scoring, depth value, you know, second power play unit, et cetera. Um, and he's not to the level of an Anthony Mantha where teams are going to be tripping over themselves to get him because he signed for great value. Guys like Robbie Fabry aren't super rare around the NHL. So whereas a guy like Anthony Mantha kind of is. Yeah, it's it's a super boring, simplistic answer, but I think this means we get three and a half more years of Robbie Fabry. What do you anticipate? I would think so too, but this day and age, anybody is tradable given depending on the what comes across the table but i think robbie fabry has a good spot on this team and um the red wings were the team that sort of gave him his chance um so i think he likes being there so i don't know 
it's 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 a good fit. So I mean, don't go looking to trade him unless something comes across the table that's too good to pass up. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's like it's an easy comment to say, but I think it's a really fair one. And the only reason I bring up the Fabry trade thing is because a it comes with no protections for him the player and b this is just the the phase of the rebuild that the red wings are in where that's still a very real possibility but i think i agree with you guys i I think more likely than not the potential for trade is low right now and if he does get dealt i wouldn't i probably wouldn't guess it happens until close to his the last year the final year Um, not that it's an unreasonable contract but a team that's trying to move for a guy like fabry to help a playoff push isn't doing it with many much term left so and it's a good point evan he's got a spot on this team and it's an important spot there's injuries there's you know not however many games left in in canada that they know for a fact they're gonna slot robbie fabry up in bertuzzi's spot you know barring them moving verona up or or zadina maybe someday um he is an important cog and we talk about making sure that there's enough players who can go out there and play good hockey. So the team doesn't absolutely get tanked at the first injury. Fabry is a good stopgap there and stopgap is, is an undersell. I don't think he's a first line player caliber, but you can do worse. The Red Wings have done worse for a lot of years, <laughs> a lot of years. <laughs> I do. I, I will say it's nice to see Dallas appreciate Luke Lindenning and Colorado appreciate Darren Helm and have them kind of find their, their niche and their groove there. But I'm, I'm happy that it's Fabry now filling in those spots. I think, I think your point from uh, a little while ago, Brad was good. Fabry's not like the poster boy for these are the players that are going to lead the Red Wings out of the rebuild. Like it could be Verona, but it's definitely going to be Lucas Raymond more at cider. Sure. He's not at the forefront, but he might still make that poster. Like you need guys, productive players down uh, your top six, especially on the wings he's probably going to fit in there on the other side of this rebuild. And as the Red Wings are pushing in playoff round. So I don't know, happy for Robbie. I think he's been amped and, and productive since he's been in Detroit. So altogether like earth shattering. No, but nice little bit of uh Eisenman maneuvering. You need guys to see the rebuild through. Yeah. You can't turn over 80% of the roster when it's all said and done. Yeah. Anyhow, Robbie Fabry has been placed on the COVID-19 list <laughs> <laughs> because of course, um we'll get to the game in a second but i guess we should just mention um as of today around noon uh fabry and michael rasmussen both uh were entered into the nhl's COVID 19 protocol um and so the red wings called up kyle criscolo and um taro hirosi tacos back yay um carly johnson asked blashill about i think it was carly who asked blashill about bergeron and Blashill mentioned that um, he doesn't want to throw off Bergeron's confidence when he's playing so well in the AHL. So he's going to leave him down there, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Well, nothing would be worse is if he get, gets put on the COVID list oh. and it just derails his season. Like, God. just maybe staying where you are right now is for the best. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to be won right now by risking, sh- like, shaking that up. Unless he's, like, burning the barn down over there, like, kicking the door down. Um Leave him there. Let him thrive. The NHL is a little bit of a mess right now. It's, I mean, everyone's going to be a little bit of a mess pretty soon, obviously. But yeah, we want Bergeron really for next year. So all for it. All right. The New York Islanders came into town uh, and we said that's a game that the Red Wings should win. And they did. Altogether, a much better showing by Detroit, I felt. And it was still a win largely on the backs of on the back of uh, Alex Nedeljkovic, though. They outshot the Islanders, at least this time around. Um, yeah. I know before the Islanders made that late push in the final few minutes, the shots were like 37 to 26 at one point. So uh, the score was actually a little generous towards the Islanders versus what was actually happening on the ice. But yeah, it was a one of the Red Wings' more all-around efforts of the season where it wasn't just... Larkin, Raymond, Saturn, and Delkovich carrying the team. Like the third line of uh, Rasmussen, Ernie, Zadina was buzzing all night. Uh, that was maybe one of Detroit's best lines. Like Rasmussen had a good game. Zadina had a fantastic game, I felt. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, they had a f- phenomenal game, um, which is good to see because, again, the Red Wings' depth has been the issue all season. So when they, uh, when they get some production and a good game out of their depth, you, you got to win that game. 
Um, and then Nedeljkovic held up his bargain there. And the other goal was Larkin from Raymond Insider. So, you know, that still kept happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one thing changed, the other thing didn't. And uh, yeah, no, it was a complete effort. It was a very rare game for the Red Wings this year. When you have games against a team who's, you know, Matt Barzell didn't play. He went on the COVID list just before, like earlier that day. Um, I think it was earlier that day. And the Islanders have just been in some trouble all year. It's easy to say, yeah, the Red Wings have to win that game, but it's not automatic. And especially coming off of a streak of like really kind of shitty play, uh, even their wins. They were on a five-game win streak, and the whole time we were kind of like, ooh, by the, the, the skin of their teeth or whatever it is. Um, you have to capitalize on those games. You have to take advantage of those opportunities, and it was nice to see Detroit do it. Um, I felt like the power play was obviously Larkin scored the power play goal, and we'll talk about the passes that led up to that in a second. But the power play I felt was good. I felt like they were moving through more at Cider even more that game. And Mickey Redmond pointed it out, and I think the Red Wings are really, really kind of starting to do that as more outsider is becoming more and more comfortable. So it's not just running through the same forward, depending on if they have Raymond on the left or right side. It's not just only running through Larkin. Like they're pushing through more outsider and letting him actually quarterback that power play at times. He looks good with it. At no point do I think, Oh, you know, he skates well for a big man. I think, man, he moves well. He's not Kale McCarr, like the, the swivel ball that Kale McCarr is. He's a freak of nature. I don't know how his hips hold up, but legitimately like he is really really good on that blue line he has no true weaknesses that's that's his strength I, I wouldn't say he's an elite power play quarterback i wouldn't say he's like you said out of place there at all though he's perfectly capable at doing it especially when you have talents like larkin and raymond with you on that unit he knows how to get it to them at the right time and as quickly as possible to give them maximum time to do their thing and again it circles back to what we talked about cider a few weeks ago with what he was doing well nothing flashy but always the right play always executed properly and always executed quickly and he's just he continues to do that and that works in that philosophy and that strategy and that skill set works in every situation he's very poised yeah he, he has you, a lot of poise. He, he would look the same on a breakaway as back checking to get into a two-on-one he looks exactly the same at in every situation yeah so it's a very good thing to have in your power play quarterback there's there's been a level of like anxiousness from a red wings defenseman that we've had really since lidstrom retired but especially since cronwell retired like that poise hasn't been there for a little while there's points where the red wings best defenseman is phil peronic and like he's good he's a good player but at no point have we have we had a defenseman, have the Red Wings had a defenseman where we were like, yeah, he has the puck, something is going to happen, is going to happen, and everything's going to be okay or whatever. Look, that Cider is not error free. He had an error at the end of the, that game. Like, of course, he's still young. He's going to learn, but the poise is right. He does do everything calm and he executes. That's the thing. He always executes. Let him make the mistakes now. Yeah. Yeah. Let him make the mistakes now while they don't really matter. Yeah. Because Alex Nedeljkovic will just rob you at the end of the game. <laughs> the buzzer went, but I like that he flashed the leather anyways. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't know. That buzzer went as the puck was flying. He had to be sure. <laughs> um, the power play goal, though, I, I want to talk about that. First of all, nice little pass by by Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond is – I I'm so impressed by how he navigates tight spaces – on the power play, they collapse on him pretty quickly. I've noticed that teams especially are game planning for that a little bit more. They don't give him space because they know how dangerous he is. But he really doesn't lose much capacity to run the power play still. He navigates those tight spaces, threads the needle, and even hit, it was a simple little you know, backhand sauce. Like It almost looked sloppy if you didn't know what you were looking for uh, to drop it back to an open area because he knew more at Cider would be there. That's something that I really, really love from Lucas Raymond. If you want to pick out small parts of of a guy's game, like it's not Pavel Datsuk, but it's for a power play that was static and could only pass around the perimeter before losing the puck in the event that they were able to gain the zone. What a step up this year to have Lucas Raymond be able to do that. Um, and then more at Sider picking up the puck. So he skated to the open ice where the puck was moving, kind of stepped in, pivoted, 
faked a little bit, like did a little stutter to delay, get the um the the guy playing high on the power or the penalty kill on the Islanders to extend, and then what's the equivalent of like nutmegging a hockey where you pass between the guy's body and his stick? There's got to be a word for that. I think it's just called a pass. Oh, it's it's putting it through the triangles. What I've always heard it as. Unfortunately, it's not as fun as the nutmeg. But no. yeah, and it's not true nutmeg. Didn't go between the. Guys. Yeah, you put it under the triangle or through the triangle. Different yeah. variations of that. But if you have a chance to watch that replay. Watch Sider's little moment hesitation, stick handles back forth one time, and then puts it through the triangle. I heard that's what it's called. Mm. Uh, to Larkin, who who shot it home. I think it was uh, probably a goal that Sorokin would have wanted back. Yeah. The first time I watched that, I'm like, oh, that definitely got deflected. And then the second time I watched it, I'm like, oh, that's bad. It did, just <laughs> off of his blocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was – like, watch Lucas Raymond – like exclusively for a whole game. Watch more at Cider exclusively for a whole game. You're going to see so many things like that. And you're going to think, did that, does that actually make a big difference? And the answer is, yeah, yes, it does. It's a little, it's the finer details that really mm-hmm. make the body of work. Yeah. It matters about seven spots in the standings right now. <laughs> yeah. Legitimately. Um, I'll- too bad uh, Lucas Raymond's not a top 55 player in Sweden though. <laughs> Sweden, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> hey, just based on COVID protocol, they might get down to him and have no other choice. <laughs> what is going to happen? This is something that came up between uh, Merrick and, and Frege. They were saying, like, what happens if the Swedes and the Canadians and the Americans say they don't want to go, but the Germans and the Russians decide that they want to? What do you do if, the, if you're the NHLPA? I, <sighs> I, that sounds like a can of worms. Big old can of worms. I have no idea. And all the worms have COVID. I figure Canada, <laughs> Hockey Canada, or the bodies for those massive countries would try and send somebody. Well, they'll send people, just maybe not NHLers. Yeah. Well, Jake Chelios changes. <laughs> can can they changes his jersey? He was a, the Chinese spy. <laughs> <laughs> the Chinese are like there goes our leading goal scorer. <laughs> Can they though? Because I can't imagine Canada's got uh, on their list of fifty-five guys, you know, twenty-five non-NHLers. I heard the lists are bigger than that, oh, really? and there there's a lot of provisions being put in. I don't know. I, I I think you're getting close to a if NHLers don't go and they leave, if the NHLPA leaves the decision until January 10th, which is their deadline, so there aren't any um, financial penalties. I just don't know how those, yeah, the the national sport, like the national hockey organizations are going to. I'm sure they're having those conversations. Yeah, they're going to. I think basically what's happening right now is Bettman's like, hey, we told them they could go. They could go. That big dumpster fire over there, guys. That's where you want to go. The dumpster fire that's on fire. That's definitely going to set you on fire. Okay, if you want to. He had a quote where he was like, He's basically what what Bettman's doing is actually pretty smart. He has said a lot. We wanted we wanted to do this because it was important to the PA. We don't think it's a good idea, but the Players Association wanted it. We said we would do it. It's not in writing, but we want to hold our word. So he is not going to be the one to cancel it because he is not going to be the one to lose any kind of bargaining power in the next CBA or even as, you know, COVID protocols get renegotiated. I'm sure that's at times a terse situation. So he has said, like, wow, this is looking pretty grim, and a lot of players have their doubts. Well, he can be like, we gave you the Olympics. What do we get? That's exactly what he's doing, yeah. And they're like, well, we didn't – well, it was in China, and COVID was running wild. He's gonna be I like, don't know. I gave you the Olympics. He's like, <laughs> I'm not the one who made the call. You said you yeah, don't want to go. Yeah. He's saying right now, we don't think it's a good idea to go, but, hey, it's up to the PA. That's actually – he's like – and he's looking at them like, you guys are going to do the smart thing here. I wonder if there's a little bit of a political chicken going on right they now. They should go anyway, just to spite Gary Bettman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut off your nose in a Chinese hotel for five weeks to spite the face. Is that how it goes? I believe so, yes. yeah. He, yeah, he's sitting there, till, not going to say no till the 11th hour on the final day. And if the NHLPA still doesn't go, he's like, that's enough. Of course we're not going. What's wrong with you guys? No. And then, like, it's going to be 11.59 on January 10th before he's says anything yeah it's it's gonna be a domino effect like it'll be mcdavid it'll be crosby it'll be you know i think i heard something today that uh 
Eric Carlson is yeah. thinking probably not. It's going to be a domino. I I think it's just a matter of time. I'd be surprised if we made it to the new year without the decision, but hey, we'll see. Anyhow, uh, Red Wings hung on for a 2-1 win. The Islanders did spoil Ned's shutout, but he was uh, pretty great the whole game. Um, and the Red Wings got a much-needed win. Philip Zadina, excellent game. I thought one of the Red Wings' best players. Just by watching him, I looked up the numbers after. He was one of the best Red Wings players on the ice. He has 14 shots on goal over his last two games, and none of them have gone in. And he got front row seat to watch one of the best goal scorers on the team That's put right. one home yep. in Michael Rasmussen. Michael Rasmussen on a 2-on-1 with Philip Zadina. Looks up Philip Zadina and scores the game winner. That's absolute rock yes. star shit. <laughs> I heard he actually said, fuck you, Brad, as he shot the puck. I believe so. No, he heard. if he heard me... He would have made the pass because he's heard what I've said about his playmaking. Yeah. Well, if he wanted to shut me up, that pass would have went tape to tape to Zadina. <laughs> also, uh, parents with kids in the car, I'm sorry. I will make a uh, donation to the food bank for the uh, F-bomb, but it had to do it for the joke. Kids, don't say that word. He won't. I will. I donate to the food bank every year. I like the food bank. It's a good charity to donate to. Donate to your local food bank. Zadina, though, uh, besides being <laughs> looked off by Michael Rasmussen... <laughs> You can see it on him. Yes. I'm not here to debate, is it curse? Is it bad luck? Is it his shooting? Very obviously, it's a mix of he's not getting bounces, but at the same time, he's not shooting it well enough. And then he's now it's it's causing him to be frustrated, which is causing him to get in his own head, which is causing him to grip the stick tighter, whatever proverbial thing you want to use, which is causing him to shoot a little worse, which is causing him to overthink things and blah, blah. And you can see it. Every time a goalie makes a save, he's just kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> that guy needs a puck off a stanchion off uh you know he needs that mitch marner like goal that he got against detroit that really started his yeah. season like just literally anything a christmas miracle a hundred percent a hundred percent if he was playing like garbage otherwise i'd be like hey man that's on you but i think that guy deserves a bounce and does that absolve him of, you know, not scoring to this point at the levels that he really should for the skill he has? No, absolutely not. There needs to be some sustained goal scoring before a lot of very legitimate fears are quelled. And I don't know if that's going to happen for him anymore. But for now, let's just focus on the one goal. Well, if he scores and it turns it into a bit of a streak or, you know, evens out the season, like this is a great learning experience for him to how to get out of these slumps. Yeah. Uh, just hoping he does get out of it. <laughs> That's a big part. Like, we've said it a lot. Hockey's a mental game. He needs an empty net goal. He needs an empty net goal. That's exactly what he needs. He needs to practice with the other Czech Phillip on how to score those from 200 feet away. Although he missed one last night, so a little upset. That was a warning shot, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? I'm looking for Bill Murray. Why? This is definitely Groundhog Day. We've had this conversation five times. Oh, my God. He was waiting so long for that joke. You were looking around like you yeah, oh were yeah. seeing ghosts. I didn't, I didn't think Evan was Which talking. joke? Which joke? Have we said about five times? Or is it a story? Quit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Which one? I don't pay attention you seen to the, the first four. Have you seen the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? If you have not, don't worry about it then. I actually don't know if I have. Yeah, then you haven't. Okay. Yeah, okay. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, watching us unravel in real time. <laughs> uh, the nah, you know what? I'm not doing this. We'll do it. We'll do it in overtime. Uh, yeah, I forgot we had too much content to go through today. We do. Yeah, we have so much. Uh, the Red Wings upcoming have um, the Carolina Hurricanes, and that game has confirmed to be happening, even though I'm pretty sure every Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes player and staff member is also on the COVID list. Um, hey, I'm looking forward to the Omicron Bowl. Um, <laughs> So that is Thursday the 16th at 7 p.m. And then they're home to the New Jersey Devils uh, at 8 p.m. on Saturday night before our next episode. So uh, that's what the Wings have coming up. I heard the Red Wings are changing the wheel in their logo for tomorrow night's game to just a spike protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll do well. <laughs> um, all right. So Rasmussen and Fabry are on the COVID-19 list. It's not going to be the last of it. Could be worse. The Flames put, what, 17 players and staff on the list today? Oh, my God. And that was on top of the ones that were already on the list? (laughs) God. There's no way everybody on that team doesn't have it. Every time I refresh the page, someone new was on. 
Did we say on air that um, sporting facilities in Canada are dropping the attendance maximums to 50%? Yeah, Ontario. And, oh, Ontario? Well, the senators are like, come on down because we got space. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, as you can see, restrictions are moving back uh, north of the border. So I got a couple questions about uh, from people about Tyler Bertuzzi. They're like, okay, he was infected again recently. So what is that going to mean? Is there any possibility that international borders take on some uh, policies? Like I think some countries in Europe do this where if you have – uh, antibodies from having had COVID recently, they'll allow you to travel. Um, you can see the way the Canadian government's doing their restrictions. It's trending in the wrong direction for that. So I wouldn't count on that whatsoever. Um, I love that he took a maintenance today, today, but we didn't find that out till after. And then when found out, Oh, Bertuzzi wasn't on the ice today uh, because maintenance day after the whole league ended up on the COVID list. And we're like, everybody's just like, not now, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to keep taking maintenance days, I think, all year. And that's probably more his back than anything. No, it definitely is. Yeah. Just, it's just it, funny when it is. Any other day, Tyler. <laughs> it's funny when it happens because, yeah. I mean, we said this the moment all of this started with Bertuzzi. <laughs> we're like, every maintenance day he takes is going to, people are going to be like, Ugh. And then today of all days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, there's nothing to be said here besides for the guys who are on the COVID list. Hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully everyone's okay. And for the team's sake, let's hope the spread isn't too much. But based on how the rest of the league is trending, I feel like the Hero season that Chris Colos and the Pearsons and everyone else are going to get, they're going to get a lot of miles logged between Grand Rapids and Detroit pretty soon. All right. Uh, let's get chatting about... I don't know. Do we want to talk about what the NHL is going to do with this? I think we just have to kind of let it unfold before. Well, they enacted enhanced protocols through January 7th, whatever those are. Do you think they're going to? No touching. Yeah. (laughs) No touching. Stop peeing on each other in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a hockey dressing room. How are you going to? It's tradition, damn it. How are you going to take away an age-old tradition of dudes being gross in locker rooms? Come on, man. Yeah. Um. Do you think they're going to try to push through to what would have been the Olympic break, which they're not happening? And then yeah, very much. That's what they're going to try to do. It's a long ways away. Yeah. The their saving grace right now is nobody really knows anything about Omicron right now. All that anybody can seem to agree on is it is more contagious, but is it more severe, less severe? I haven't read up too much, but early like early returns are that it's maybe less severe in terms of like illness and stuff and this isn't to create a discourse on omicron at a personal level we are literally just talking about how the league is going to handle this this. is what the nhl is looking they're like oh we don't want to make any rash decisions till we have more information when's the christmas break yeah olympic breaks coming up all right we are going to test everybody every hour until the olympic break and then we basically get a big three-week reset yeah i 100 percent agree i think that's what they're going to try to aim for should they go earlier i don't know I don't know. It's it's a hard sell for me to say, let's do a hard reset when we're already having to postpone games and we don't want to lose time for next season in the summer. So, yeah, the it's going to be a tough one to sell just because looking at the I don't know what the word is, transmission rate of Omicron so far, it's fast. Whether or not it's severe, that's up in the air and that's probably ultimately what's going to determine it. But if this is not uh, a less severe strain, they are not going to come close to the Olympic break because this will be the dominant strain in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm uh, I think waiting until the Olympic break. Yeah, is ideal. But whether or not they can actually do it, I don't envy the position that they're in and Let's be real from a business standpoint. The league has been lucky to be able to do what they've been able to do coming back in terms of revenue. They're going to look to not be on the back foot at all. Like we just the other day were talking about how in three years, the players will have paid back their debt to the owners based on the lost revenue and their, the agreement that they struck three years. And people were happy about that. They're like, Oh man, that's way less than what we thought it was. Every step backwards is another day, week, month added to that timeline, which means the salary cap's not going to go up for a long time, which means people's hands are going to be tied for quite a while in terms of hockey ops. So 
I don't know. I vote whatever is safe for the players and gives us as much hockey as possible. I'm not going to take it for granted, but at the same time, I think since the, from the moment we started this conversation to now, 18 more players were added to the COVID list. So we'll see. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of conversation between the NHL and the players between restrictions, testing parameters, uh, their thoughts on boosters. I'm curious to see what the NHL does uh, in terms of mandates for that. Uh, and not only that, and again, I'm not commenting one way or the other as to what I think they should do, but there will be a conversation of, you know, depending on the severity of the strain and if it's less severe, what is our stance going to be on asymptomatic guys not being out for X amount of days, right? So that's that's going to be a conversation and that's going to be at the, the forefront. We're going to see that happen in, in a public space where teams or players or agents or whoever, they're going to say, you're going to have people saying, you know, we don't need to put this guy out on this list for five days when he's fine. And he's sitting at home. It's a big hypothetical. We don't know that it's going to shake out that way, but it's a, it's a possibility. So if you're a lawyer for the league or the PA, you're making a lot of money right now. And uh, the doctors that they've employed, I'm sure being paid well, but probably have gone gray if they didn't start out that way. So uh, I don't know, man, I'm tired. And it's uh, a little from a fan perspective. It's just a bummer to even be having this conversation again. I hate it here. Why'd you do this, Evan? I apologize. Oh, well, at least he apologized. If everybody locks down again, it's more time for him to spend at home in the hot tub. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't use the L word. <laughs> that is true. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Bruce Boudreaux can What the do- hell has happened since the last time we spoke about the Vancouver Canucks? They've Everything. Not, they've not lost. I can't remember where we left off last time. Uh, everything was on fire and now they're on a four game winning streak and the fans are chanting the coach's okay. name. Is okay, it so four or five? I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't they, matter. Weren't they down like three last night and they came back and won? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This team is going to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> At this rate. Yeah. They're going 50 and 0 the rest of the way. All out. it takes is throwing a jersey on the ice. Oh man. Well, Didn't someone throw a leaf jersey on the on the ice earlier this year and then they went on like a 15 game winning streak? Oh, well, an Oilers fan. Um, an Oilers For the fan. like 18 and 12 Oilers threw, threw one on the ice last night, which means over half the Canadian teams have had a jersey throw this year. Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, and... Edmonton. So place your bets now. Who's next? Winnipeg, Calgary, or Ottawa? <laughs> Canadian tra- uh, Canadian traditions, man. Well, fans have to show up in Ottawa for jerseys to get thrown. Yeah. Calgary's been riding a little too hot to start the season. I Eugene's like- going to go out on the ice and pick that jersey up and <laughs> make sure that whatever name's on the back, they get that in that stall for the next game. <laughs> yeah. Wash it and sell it. We're fine. It's fine. <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks are on a five-game win streak, including last night where they had that that come back um they are still five spots out of the playoffs (laughs) in the west they are 13 15 and two so you know they just went from 8 15 and 2 to 13 15 and 2 and that's that goes to show you just how far in the hole they were they're trying to salvage it a little bit if you're aquilini that's what you have to do because this is already happening months years too late uh, good for the players for doing it. Apparently, it's not even Bruce Boudreaux or Rutherford or anything. It's just Pedersen needed a new stick. And all I could think of with that whole story was, God, Brad is going to be so vindicated by this. Have you read about that? Not that one specifically. And I'm not vindicated on anything until Zadina scores a damn goal. <laughs> Go look up about Pedersen's stick. Like He used a different length. He thinks the manufacturer changed the way they made the stick or he had a bad batch at one point. And then he switched it back around the same time that everyone got canned. And all of a sudden, he's playing like Pedersen again. <laughs> well, he also was playing like 13 minutes a game under Travis Green, which, you know, I think you should probably play your best player more than 13 minutes a night, right? That, generally, that means you win more. Ackman Larson plays more than 13 minutes a night. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> um, no, it's it's funny in Vancouver. And credit to Boost Boudreaux. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I'm thinking about Rutherford. What? I think there was a boost in there. Did I say boost? I think you said boost. Evan, what have you done? It's not my fault. <laughs> boost. <laughs> Rutherford uh, has a penchant for trading. And what has been the frustrating thing as an outside fan watching the Vancouver Canucks? You're just like, damn it, give me your players or give me your picks. 
How are you just going to wallow at the bottom and not do something? Let us take advantage of you. And that didn't happen. Jim Benning was Arizona took advantage of it. That's true. Uh, But Jim Benning, for the most part, was hesitant to make trades. And yeah, probably for the best for if you're the Canucks. But Jeremy Rutherford is a little bit of a cowboy when it comes to trading. He has a very loose relationship with first round picks. Um, If I'm a team gunning for a Vancouver Canucks player or offering them something to say, hey, you're on this win streak. Maybe you can salvage the season to make the playoffs. I'm happy that Jeremy or Jeremy Jim. I'm happy Rutherford's at the helm. He's new in town, and usually when a new GM comes in, and I know he's not the GM, he's going to hire another GM, but he's the interim GM. When the team's in the toilet, they're not trading futures when they get in there. Even if he does make trades, it's yeah, it's not going to be, all right, we're giving up our first-round pick for another JT Miller. Now it's going to be, hey, someone's willing to give us a King's Ransom for Brock Besser. That's probably more what he's looking at right now, which is still fun. A little less relevant to Detroit, but still fun. Um, but even then, I think is unlikely he'll probably. Any deals he makes for the rest of this year will probably be minor for the most part, just stand pat. It's rational. And I hate you for it. I constantly say Jeremy Rutherford, but it's Jim. So if I have said Jeremy leading up until now, just know that I know I'm an idiot. And I don't need you to tell me. Feel free. Isn't there a journalist, Jeremy Rutherford? That's yeah. what I do. Yeah, that's yeah. why I do it. Okay. And he's out of St. Louis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it drives me insane. I drive myself insane. Um, speaking of trade targets, Arizona, because nothing is sacred there. <laughs> uh, Jacob Chikrin. They're taking calls on Jacob Chikrin. Early 20s, early to mid 20s. Left side D. Fantastic player. Good money on the contract. He'll be an expensive get, but is that an opportunity for Eisman and the Red Wings? Yes, but probably not. Because for to have a top-end defenseman who's young and cost-controlled, undervalue for multiple more years, that's multiple firsts and your top prospect. Like, that's not... That's not, oh, a first Phillips Adina and, you know, Joe Valeno. That'll get it done. Nah, that's not even scratching the surface. Dennis Cholowski, Philip Peronik. Was there anything else in that pit, in that trade back? Datsuk? We'll take Datsuk back. <laughs> Datsuk's contract. <laughs> Datsuk would play for Arizona right now. He probably could. He'd be their first line center, and that probably isn't even up for debate. If Datsuk, if I saw Datsuk in the Kachina, I would probably sob. I'm not going to lie to you. That's something that I don't know that I could handle. It's been a rough week for me with sports. I can't handle a lot right now. And the thought of Datsuk in a non-Red Wings jersey is upsetting to me. It it would be expensive. But if you look at your team and say, here's what Lucas Raymond just did. Here's what Moritz Sider just did. Maybe if the Red Wings keep flirting with the playoffs as they are, their first round picks aren't so expensive to deal anymore. Maybe they offer up a winger. They have wingers. A plenty. Um, who knows? Like, everybody needs to be aware, if the Red Wings are trading for Jacob Chikrin, the beginning of the ask, and not the full ask, the beginning of the ask is Simon Edmondson and the first round pick. That's where the package starts. Mm-hmm. So just understand that. That's an expensive package. Yes. But you're getting a top of the lineup defenseman who's young and cost controlled. Yeah, I'd rather have Simon Edvidson in my first for where the Red Wings are at in their window. Yeah, tiebreaker. Even if it you would consider it a tie, always goes to the younger player at this point. So, how would the Coyotes value Tyler Bertuzzi? Nah, they wouldn't. No, they, it doesn't fit their timeline. They wouldn't. Their yeah. timelines behind Detroit's, and we're even having the conversations of yeah, but yeah, 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 not as fun. Um, okay. Anything else? Oh yeah. The Kyle beach situation. So just before, um, the podcast, actually, Evan, you're the one who told us about it. You're the one. I am. The Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle beach came to a settlement. It was very legalese in the statement and a lot of lip service about wanting to do 
the best they can as an organization, blah, 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 blah. It was all written by a lawyer, so nothing of interest was said. <laughs> um, no details were said, as probably expected in a settlement agreement. Um, so in the court's eye, this matter is now done. They have other lawsuits, right? The probably. Hawks? Yeah. Um, I hope whatever solution this was for Kyle Beach, it's one that brings him some kind of comfort or ease or resolution. It's a private settlement, so you're never going to know more. I don't imagine it was a cheap thing for, for Chicago, um, which to that I say good. But other than that, Chicago has, I think, plenty more coming their way. So, Yep. Yep. Anything else here before we jump into overtime and take some overtime questions? Did we ever talk about Red Wings at the World Juniors? Oh, Red Wings at the World Juniors. So many of them. Sebastian Cosa, obviously named to Team Canada. Uh, and net Donovan Sabrango. Really proud of Donovan Sabrango. He had to clear through some big names to make that that Canadian decor. So um, huge for him. Pumped to watch him in there. And hey, if he shines. Never doubted him. Not for a second. Um, and then friend of the podcast, Red Savage, made it for the States, uh, as well as Carter Mazur, who has not stopped producing at all. He really does seem like the ultimate like grinder who produces. He has a physical game. He has an offensive game. Is he just a grinder, though? They were uh, toying around with him on the left half wall in the power play. Yeah. <laughs> power forward. Whatever you want to call him. Left half wall. That's uh, that's not a grinder spot. Yeah, Alex Ovechkin, that, notable grinder. Yeah, that that's the OV spot. Lucas Raymond, grinder. I see Lucas Raymond in scrums all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Carter Mazur, next Lucas Raymond? Question mark? Question Confirmed. Mark. Um, no, it's... I think, obviously, you see the guys like Kosa in there, and you're like, yeah, that's great. And then you see Sabrango make it, and then you see Red Savage, who I think, obviously, a lot, a lot of people would have been expecting that. And then Carter Mazur, who from the moment he started playing the season... Yeah, he's just been fantastic the whole time. So really pumped to see those guys uh, rep the two North American teams here. Mm -hmm. Sweden announced their roster yet? I I don't know. Have they announced their final roster? Don't do that. He's like, that's God, Jesus. Um, Is it just me or does he feel feel like he's 23 at this point? I feel like he's been in our system forever, but he's still eligible for the World Juniors. Curious case of Michael Rasmussen. No, no, I know what age he is because he's obviously at the World Juniors. I just feel like he's been in the system for five years. <laughs> he was drafted uh, two drafts ago, right? I know. I'm well aware. I, I it, Honestly, I get the impression that he's very young. He has a little bit of a baby face. Mm. Oh, so he's Swedish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You weren't asking a question. You were making a joke. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And... Edvinson, yeah, obviously. I was say, I'm like, I... Simon there, Edvinson. There he is. Uh, and Emil Vero makes the finish roster as well as per their announcement. Uh, he was um, one of their most important defensemen last year, so that's not a shock. Is this like the year where you're going to see Lucas Raymond play? No, obviously, because he made the Red Wings. You're not going to see this. He's is still a, eligible. He's still eligible, but <laughs> Sweden's like, eh, no. <laughs> Eisman's like, hey, uh, hey, it's Steve from Detroit. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, Steve. <laughs> Sergey knows who you are. The birth, fiftieth birthday message to Sergey Fedorov. <laughs> hey, it's Steve Eisman of the Detroit Red Wings. I think no, he literally said, "Hey, it's Steve Eisman from Detroit," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, Steve." <laughs> he he knows. <laughs> it's the most Steve Eisman move he could have made. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be like the Lucas Raymond year or more Sider year or anything, but watching Kosa, obviously huge for Detroit. Watching Sabrango and Savage and Mazer, massive, because how do you produce in a rebuild? Yeah, you hit your your high picks and your strong picks, but you also have to hit in the second and third rounds um, and beyond that as well. So, um, yeah, Edmondson. Well, I mean, Kosa and Edvinson are the two most important Red Wings to watch yeah. in terms of the Team Canada's starting goalie and Sweden's number one defenseman. Feels like they're going to play big roles. Emil Vero, is that going to turn out to be a guy where they he was drafted in the middle rounds and 
looks to be someone who's overproducing. And when Vero was drafted, he was a, this guy has a high ceiling, a lot of uncertainty. What's he going to turn into? Same with Niederbach. It's, he had that knee injury. He came back from surgery. He has a high ceiling. What's he going to turn into? So there's a lot here, uh, for Red Wings fans to be excited about. And again, you know, Wallander was a snub. There are other snubs in terms of Red Wings prospects that aren't on there. So prospects of plenty. It'll be fun to watch, especially over the holidays. That's one of my favorite traditions. I hope nothing gets disrupted with this tournament. Just, yeah, the NHL is the NHL. We're going to deal with COVID all year, but I just hope nothing disrupts these players being able to go out there. Uh, Overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, who are incredible people. Um, Thank you to our new patrons. We love you and we appreciate you. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast if you want to help support the show. I promise you none of your money will go to Evan's hot tub fund. He is cut off. Hot tubs are expensive, man. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. We're going to take a few of these questions now and then the rest for the Patreon exclusive full overtime that'll be released for patrons after this episode. Miss Days says elite sniper Rasmussen took one glance at Zadina with his serial killer eyes and had a live demonstration on how to score. (laughs) Fun questionnaire to drive Brad insane. How much do you guys or how much do you have to multiply Zadina's five on five points by to reach Michael Rasmussen's five on five production this season? So by what integer do you have to multiply Zadina's five on five points to match Michael Rasmussen's pain? How much do you think? Guess a number. Uh, Three. Uh, I was going to say two. Mm-hmm. Both of you are very close. It's eight. Oh my goodness. I'm not even going to verify that. That's just what they wrote in the comment. Oh yeah. I was going to be like, that's not right. But then I remembered Zadina's actually produced a bit on the power play this year. Yeah. Uh, Cody Stark says, what do you think the draft pundits think when they see Cider successfully running a power play one? Like, and I know that's a, it's a funny comment and it is genuinely very funny. Uh, but I think back a lot to the people who called out that and Tony, it was actually one of the people who did this. Um, Cider was asked to not focus on offense in his year, his draft year over in Germany. So he was really focusing on playing a full rounded defensive game because he was in a pro league with men. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of surprise and a lot of people were shocked by that. But I think people did some digging and they're like, oh, the potential's there. And well, it turned out to be more than just potential. <laughs> this comment from Nick Geyer. It's not a question. It's just a comment. But it's worth reading out on the main episode. Zadina forgot to carry Madame Zeroni from Holes up the mountain so she can get <laughs> strong too. <laughs> well, there's still time. She may have some sort of... <laughs> descendants that he can do and carry up the hill man that movie that book and that movie were fantastic the book was way better yeah it made me think i could eat raw onions and and like it oh you must have hated that movie huh i don't think i've seen it they're not pickled onions right they're like um sweeter i think he said like sweet onions sweet and there's like a scene where he literally takes one of these freaking onions and literally just bites it like an apple (laughs) now i'm definitely not watching it (laughs) (laughs) that's scarier than the texas chainsaw massacre um that is my hell ruthless and toothless says hear me out uh before you yell no into the mics what about a traveling nhl team like the coyotes you announce at the beginning of the season three cities that they'll play in obviously all cities without a team they'll they stay for eight weeks ish in each city till the season is over the players would be paid more money and they'd get a slightly higher uh revenue sharing if they make it into the playoffs you hold a one night event vote for those three cities and whoever wins is where the home city would be for the playoffs it could grow the game and bring in money to smaller markets moreover it'd be a good indicator for expansion cities moving forward better than whatever the hell's going on in arizona I think it's a it's a very fun concept in a world that we don't live in. The NHL can't trip can't not trip over its own feet trying to plan events in cities that it's permanently located in. I cannot imagine it logistically handling a traveling team. I will say that's one of the more creative ideas that I've ever heard that I'm like this is absolutely clinically insane. For sure it's crazy. But it is fun to think about, and I could see in an alternate universe it working. Something like that's probably not off the table for the Coyotes next season right now. Through necessity. It wouldn't be like a marketing thing. No, yeah, I'd be like, please, we need them to play somewhere. Yeah. 
I don't, um, obviously there's financial hurdles. No owner is going to want to do that. GMs are going to want to do that. Players are not going to want to do that. You don't well, have home ice advantage. Think of the the logistical nightmare for the host cities. Yeah. Like now they've got a prep in a massive arena. They've got to figure out all the food and all the vendors and all the staff. And it's only sh- for a short period of time. Like it was, it's a very expensive proposition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're going to brand every arena for like the, you know, rain city bitch pigeons or whatever it is. Actually, the answer to that is yes, but I think it's a fun idea and you should not feel bad. And that is very, very clever. It'd be very cool if Hamilton had an NHL team for eight weeks. They could. They could. Also, where fans going to want? Yeah, I guess fans would want to do it. What Arizona fans? All dozen of them? (laughs) I think Evan or I think Brad yelled at you for that joke preemptively last episode. Maybe. You don't listen anyways. Um, Arjun Shanker says I have a hard time considering Nemesnikov trade options anytime I see a player who so clearly loves the team they're playing on I just want them to ride it out there and that makes me think of the Buffalo Sabres which is a sad thing Um, but one thing that they're focusing on right now is they want guys who want to be in Buffalo and there's something to be said about that I don't think the Red Wings are in the situation the Sabres are in which is an unmitigated disaster like a category five, what the hell just happened over the last 15 years or whatever it is. But in a team that's going through a rebuild and for a team that needs to put butts in seats and for a team that's so obviously thriving off of the positive energy in the arena, the Red Wings record at home is like 18 times better than their road record right now. So obviously home ice advantage makes a difference for them. There's something to be said about guys who want to be there. So and, I mean, it affects the players in the locker room, too. I'm sure they love Vlad. That said, I think that goes into don't sell Vlad for a seventh, but if the right offer comes around, then it kind of trumps all of that. Um, all right. Jake Kiefer says, as we approach the 2022 Hall of Fame selections, Zetterberg will be up for vote. Questions. Objectively speaking, is Hank a Hall of Fame player? Yes. Of course, yes. That's Key Carbono went in the Hall of Fame. I have a lot of appreciation for the kind of game Guy Carboneau played. Henrik Zetterberg is absolutely a Hall of Famer. First ballot, I could see the argument for no. He's going in a strong class. I can almost guarantee he's not going to be a first ballot because it's what four players get in in the player category and three of them are already cemented for next year between the Sedins and Luongo. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be up against a lot of the returnees, McGillney, Alfredson. I think Rick Nash is a first-time eligible. Um, There have been – I have read and listened to a bunch of stuff about the upcoming Hall of Fame class, and it's actually shockingly concerning how little Zetterberg's name has been brought up by the uh, national pundits. We all know McGillney's not getting in this year (laughs) or next year. So the next question is, do we think he's voted in? And I, I think based on what you just said, Brad, it's eventually, but yes. Yep. I just, I think how quickly people forget that guy turned into an absolute dominating force every playoff. And I know I've said this before, but in, in the era where Crosby was just hitting his prime and the conversation between him and Datsuk, like who's the better player overall, who's the best player on the planet right now, blah, blah, blah. Like during the playoffs, it was Henrik Zetterberg. Without a doubt in my mind, he hit another level during those competitive years for Detroit where under Babcock, they won in 08, were one game away in 09 and realistically should have had at least one more cup in there with the team that they had. So, yeah, I think he makes it. I, I, I might have to wait a couple cycles, maybe longer. There's kind of a backlog right now. I wonder at what point they reevaluate the Hall of Fame entry parameters but uh yeah he'll make it in all right boys what do we say we call this sure right, folks we're going to be wrapping up this episode of the wind wheel podcast we'll be back with you on sunday uh which is uh 
after the next two games, Carolina and New Jersey. Um, and then the schedule coming up, we have Sunday the 19th, and then we'll be uh, with you again Wednesday the 22nd, and then we'll be taking a week off for uh, Christmas and the holidays. So you won't hear from us again until the 29th. Patrons, we might have something for you, but um, stay tuned on that one. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, we love and appreciate you. Evan can't stop talking about how much he loves people who are Patreon supporters, especially. So thank you guys. Uh, and thank you to our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Gron Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the number 69 crime, Ryan Hannah's banana slime and Jamathong, uh, and Brad Crisco's, uh, it actually cut off. So I don't know if it still says the same thing it used to. Taylor Tadgel, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanoluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Zarly Zalapsky, Crotch Zipper, uh, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Aaron Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, He's here and he's perfect. James Laporte, Jeffrey Dunst, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Pavel Businavich, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pebavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.